0: And continues, came to the region of Caesarea Caesarea, Philippi. He asked his disciples, "Who do people say the Son of Man is?" They replied, "Some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah; still others say Jeremiah. Yeah, nailed it. Or one of the prophets. But what about you?" He asked. "Who do you say I am?" Simon Peter answered, "You are the Messiah, the Son." of the living God. Jesus replied, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and on the gates of Hades will, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven." Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He said, Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You, don't, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done.
1: Dan. Alright guys, just going to grab something that I'm going to need later. I'm going to need this thing. How are you all doing? How's the loving Dubbo temperature in the room? Lukewarm, that sucks. All right, but that's because you guys are ready to jump into the Bible. But before we do, I want you guys to imagine something. Can you imagine waking up one morning, looking at your phone and seeing this? What? The Australian government has banned clothes? What? What? The government's banned clothes. What what does that even mean? You'd have no idea what was going on. So what you do is, this is what you do. You go to the kitchen, because you you, want to go ask your parents, what's the deal? And then you see them, they're naked in the kitchen. Your parents, they're naked in the kitchen. You're like, what's going on? Your dad's cooking, baking, naked. And you're just like, I can't unsee that. Dad! What are you doing? And your dad says... Son! Or or daughter. Or daughter! What are you doing wearing PJs? Don't you know they're illegal? What if that happened? What if just one day we woke up and clothes were banned? That would be huge. Here's the thing, guys. I reckon that would completely redefine our lives. Redefine just means it would change never to be the same again. Think about it for just a second, no clothes anymore. For starters, I'm never leaving the house again. Say goodbye outside, not going outside. It would change everything. It would completely redefine our lives. Now, I don't know if the government has any plans to make them illegal anytime soon, so I think on the no clothes thing, I think we're safe. But think about it for just a second There aren't actually that many things that would completely redefine our lives. Like, I know Avengers Endgame is coming out soon. I know that. Like, it's important, guys, but it's not life-changing. Besides, they're going to kill off Iron Man anyway. They're going to kill off Iron Man. I'm kidding. They're going to kill off Captain America. But it's not that important, guys. There just aren't that many things that deserve to redefine our lives. We come to Jesus in the Bible tonight and he does deserve to redefine your life, my life and everyone in this room's life. And it all starts with a question in tonight's passage. You can see it at the beginning of the, of, uh, of the passage at verse 13, halfway through, Jesus says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is asking, who do people say I am? You see, the whole book of Matthew has been building up to this term to this moment. Remember, Nick showed us this slide last week. Now, uh, I think next one. Yeah, this one. Now, Nick showed us this this slide last week. And what this shows us is this guy, Jesus, was no ordinary guy. At his baptism, God came from heaven and spoke, This is my son. He spoke from the heaven, This is my son. And Jesus is going around, he's forgiving sins. He's doing miracles. He's calming storms. He's healing. He's bringing people back from the dead. What does this tell you about who this man is? It's really clear, isn't it? Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh. And we can trust that he is because he's done more than enough to prove it. But sometimes, even when we're given all the proof, we just don't want to accept the truth. But that's, that's where tonight's passage comes in. In tonight's passage, we're given a really good reason for why Jesus should redefine our lives. He's, he's bigger than clothes, guys. He's big. And you will see why he deserves to redefine your life tonight. Now, if you, um, after last week, after seeing the evidence, you still doubt Jesus is worth your time, then I want to encourage you to really listen in tonight. And if you're already following Jesus... Uh, you're going to see there are things we are missing, even when it comes uh, to us following Jesus. So, before we get, uh, uh, so why don't we just jump straight in? So, first up, the first reason Jesus should redefine our lives, it's because Jesus is the King of the world. Now, you guys might be able to ignore what your parents say, your parents' rule, your parents' authority. Maybe you can ignore your principal's rule. What about the police? No, what am I saying? You p players, you're probably going 51 Ks in a 50 zone. I don't know how deep your rebellion goes. But do you ignore these authorities in your life? Well, how about the king of the world? Can you ignore his rule and his authority? And if you're thinking there's no such thing as a king of the world, well, let's jump into the passage. So if you've got it there, open. We're looking at Matthew 16 and we're going to be reading from verse 13. Now it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now right here, Jesus asks as an open question to his disciples, who do people say I am? But he uses this title, the Son of Man, which for a bunch of reasons, is just a title that Jesus likes to call himself by, which by the way is also proof that a man gives himself his own nickname, but we'll ignore that and we'll keep on going. And we know We know what Jesus is asking is, who am I? Because he asks it again. Look at verse 15. But what about you? He asks his disciples. Who do you say I am? Now this answer must be important for Jesus to repeat it. And we see why when we get a trustworthy answer from his mate Simon Peter. A guy who's been everywhere and seen everything with Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. Huge. Simon Peter says Jesus is the Messiah. That means he's the promised king. And on top of that, he's the son of God. Can you imagine anyone more important than God's promised king and son? Now, who are you most afraid of disobeying in this world? Think about it for a second. Is it your parents? Is it a teacher, a really scary teacher at school? Or is it your group of friends? Is it what they think that you're most afraid of? Who are you most afraid of disobeying in this world? Because it gets you thinking, if you think the greatest authority in your life is the people around you, then you've really got to rethink things because there is a king of the world who lives and is the son of God. Do you realize how big that authority is? Now, it will take too too long to unpack all that this means, but let me just give you the scariest thing about this king. Check out these words of Jesus about himself. They're going to come up on screen. This is what Jesus says about himself. And he, God, has given him authority to judge, because he, Jesus, is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Do you guys realize there's going to be a time where the dead will rise and everyone will be judged? At Jesus' command, this is all going to happen. Jesus has the power to raise everyone who's ever lived from the dead and he's got authority to judge all of them. And the options of that judgment we just read are to rise to live or rise to be condemned. This info should redefine the way we live our lives, guys. Because this is a king of the world with real power and real plans he's putting into action. If we realize this, this is what we need to do. And it'll come up on screen. We need to observe and obey. First, observe. If Jesus is the king, we need to look for and find out what the king wants. We need to know his rules, his commands, his plan for our lives. And if we fail, that means we need to ask for forgiveness. The trouble is, I see a lot of the world not even... uh, The the problem is, I see a lot of the world not getting this first part right. But we'll jump into the second thing. The second thing is, we we need to do, is we need to obey. We need to follow those rules that we learn about and that God has sent out. Get on board with His plan. And if we fail, we need to again ask for forgiveness. Now, as I said, I reckon the trouble is we, we mess up in both these things, ob- uh, observing and obeying. And guys, if you show no interest in Jesus' rules or getting to know him in the Bible, you're going to fail to follow his rules. You will be guilty. Or if you think we get to decide what Jesus' rules are, when he draw- where he draws the line, then you're wrong. We don't get to decide. Jesus calls the shots about what it is, uh, what is good, and what is appropriate for people to do. After all, he made us. He knows us. He knows what's best for our lives. And that king demands change in our lives. But what happens next in this passage is even more radical than this first thing. And it's the second massive reason we need to take a good hard look at our lives because of Jesus. And that reason is, Jesus has given up everything for us. That's right, the king has given up everything for us. That's nuts. Why would he surrender so much? Now, did you guys know, no one has ever given me flowers? Yeah. And I can't believe it, but not once. Not once. But I see people all the time, girls, oh, thank you, me, not once. Now, who here has ever received flowers from someone? Who here has ever received flowers? Yeah? Yeah? So, how did it feel? How did it feel to receive those flowers? Amazing? Yeah. Yeah, I bet it would have felt nice. All right, different question. Who here's got their ears pierced? Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I don't have my ears pierced. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, did it hurt? Did it hurt when you got your ears pierced? Don't know. But how much did it hurt? How much? Like, Where where do we go? Oh man, this is confusing. Guys, doesn't that show you it's sometimes really hard to relate to some situations, to relate to some situations emotionally until you've actually just felt it firsthand? Well, when we head to this passage, I reckon we're going to see it's hard to relate emotionally to just how big this next moment is. To f- we, it's really hard to relate to the pain of loss, but also the gesture of love and worth in this huge thing Jesus is about to do. So if you've got your Bibles open, keep on following through. Let's, uh, we're going to be going through verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed... And on the third day be raised to life. Now we've just learned that Jesus is the king with all authority and all power. But now we read Jesus' plan is to go to suffer and to die, to be hung up on a cross in immense pain and humiliation. You might be feeling this king's a fool, but we really know what's going on here, yeah? Jesus was going to that cross for us. Have you ever heard of someone dying for another person? You might have heard maybe of a mother who gave up her life in childbirth to bring their baby into the world. Maybe you've heard of those crazy, unimaginable circumstances where people make the choice between their life and others and they jump in front of that car or they push that person out of the way of that obstacle. They make the ultimate sacrifice for that other person. Now, think for a second. Imagine if someone made that sacrifice for you. Imagine with me for a second, for most of us, I reckon that's hard for us to do, to imagine someone dying for us. But just know that all of us do have someone who sacrificed it all for us. We have Jesus. And it wasn't just to save your life, it was because he loved you. And he cares deeply whether you live or die in his judgment to come. He looked upon the punishment of death that we deserve, we earn for failing to obey and observe and obey God. And despite the pain and suffering that awaited him, Jesus went to Jerusalem for you. I want you guys to work on letting that sink in because it deserves a response. Jesus deserves our love. And I think knowing this can draw two big responses from us and we can see them in the passage in front of us because we get a response from Simon Peter and we get a response from Jesus that he calls to us. But first, let's look at the response of Peter. We see halfway through verse 22. After hearing Jesus is going to die, look at what he says. Peter says, Never, Lord, never will you die. He said, This shall never happen to you. Right here, it's almost as if Peter is trying to convince Jesus not to do this Or that this is never going to happen. But look at Jesus' response in verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now Jesus isn't saying Peter is the devil here, but just in this moment, Peter is like the devil in that he's getting in Jesus' way. Peter's a stumbling block to God's plan to save through Jesus. You see, Peter's response shows us he doesn't understand the big picture of God's plan, that Jesus' death is actually something we should be rejoicing in. Here's the thing, often we do the exact same thing Peter does, when we take for granted Jesus' sacrifice for us, when we don't realise just how big Jesus' death is for us and respond accordingly. But Jesus lays out the right response we should have to this wonderful sacrifice. And this is the third big point I'm going to talk about tonight. Jesus redefines our life when he calls us to give up everything for him. We need to give up everything for Jesus. To follow Jesus, it's actually going to cost us. We need to lose our life to give up everything for Jesus. To follow Jesus, it's going to cost us. And we see this in verse 24. If you've got your Bibles there, follow along. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is the response we should have when we see what Jesus has done. We should start following him. And what that looks like is enduring the sacrifices that he calls for because he first sacrificed for us. I reckon the movies get this sacrifice thing better than we do. Why is it that whenever I see a small, insignificant character in a movie that, and they get their life saved by the hero, they immediately say, I'm forever in your debt. What can I do to repay you? They're like... they feel like their life is indebted to the person who made that sacrifice. Get that clown down. He was the real phantom menace. Anyway, so why is it that when, hero, when, when a character in a movie sa- uh, has someone sacrifice their life for them, they get it, but when we see Jesus sacrificing his life for us, we do nothing. Maybe we call ourselves Christians at that point, But actually, nothing changes in our lives. What we need to do to be a true follower of Jesus actually talks about in verse 24 we need to deny our lives as our own, we need to pick up our own sacrifices, the things we need to give up, and we need to follow Jesus as our King. You see, when the fools in the movie um, give over their lives to the heroes, good things happen to them. Their lives gain a better purpose. How much more will then giving our lives over, over to Jesus, the King who triumphed over death, be an even better option? So what in your life have you sacrificed for Jesus? If it, isn't mu- if it isn't much, I want to encourage you guys, you need to press into what we talked about before, observing and obeying Jesus. Observe what in the Bible Jesus wants us to do and not do and obey those things. Knowing we aim to perfectly obey Jesus, but we don't need to be perfect. Because what Jesus did on the cross was made a way for us to ask for forgiveness and be completely forgiven. We can be safe in that. So to be clear, we we don't start obeying Jesus just because it's some kind of payback. Think about it. We could never actually do enough to repay Jesus for what he did on the cross. We can't earn our way into being one of his disciples. If you are trying to earn your way into God's favour, stop it. Because what we do when we become a Christian, when we become a disciple and ask for forgiveness, Jesus offers, that's the thing that does the work. And what's even more good news is my second point here. When we follow Jesus, we don't just lose life, but we gain life. We gain the life we desperately want. Now, have you ever heard this quote from Forrest Gump? Life is like a box of chocolates. You heard that before? Guys, Forrest Gump was wrong. Forrest Gump was wrong. Life's like a pie. Get that clown down. Yeah. Life's not like a box of chocolates. Life is like a pie. He's got it all wrong. Maybe a bit later. Life's like a pie. Life's like a sweet pie. But here's the thing. Now, I want you guys to think about this pie representing all the happiness we want and think we can have. So this pie represents all the happiness we can, th- we can think and want to have. But you know what the tough thing about life is? It doesn't always pan out the way we plan. There's roadblocks, blo- there's pain, there's failure. and the things, And there's a bunch of things in life that actually reduce the amount of happiness we can get from life. But you know, some of us are lucky. Some of us are a bit successful... And, you know, we do a good job and we get a big old slice of pie. There you go, Jack. So, some of us are lucky. Some of us get a big chunk of this happiness pie. But the problem with it is, there's still so much happiness left over. Even if we pursue all the happiness we could possibly try and get out of this life, it'll never be enough. There will always be happiness left over. And here's the thing guys, some of us aren't even lucky to get that much happiness. Some of us have already had hard lives. So the best we can do is just a tiny slither of happiness like this. There you go Maddie. Thanks Sully. Can you see how this sucks? Can you see how much pie sucks? That even though we want what happiness is what we want out of life, there never seems to be enough. And there's so much in this life that ruins our happiness. But guys, there is hope in the, in the words we've read tonight. Now let's look at the different life that Jesus wants for us in the passage. Keep reading in verse 25. Look down at your Bibles. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So there's two lives people can choose in this verse. The first one is the one where you cling to this life and all that it offers. The good, the bad, but here's the thing. You cling to this life, but without Jesus. And maybe that turns out all right. Maybe you have more fun than the Christian next to you, get a little bit more of the happiness pie. But did did you catch in that passage... But this person who, who does life without Jesus, they're the one that will ultimately lose their life. Now, the second person is someone who gives their life to Jesus. The second person, this could cost them some happiness following Jesus. They'll have to sacrifice and they'll need to follow him. But did you read in the passage what it said? It says... Let me find it. <laughs> Cause for dramatic effect. Yeah, that's it. That this person, although they give their life to Jesus, they'll find it. This is the person that actually finds their life, the one who gives it to Jesus. So what do they find? What is this good life that they find with Jesus? Well, guys, they find the life that we actually all deep down desperately want. Because let's face it, this life isn't all it cracked up to be. None of us finish this life finish this life satisfied. And after, after, after this life, life ends. And we have no control over that. So it's not surprising the good life Jesus offers doesn't live here, but somewhere else. And cue Ben to come from backstage. The good life that Jesus offers oh comes from somewhere else. Thanks, Ben. Do you see guys? It's with God in heaven where a slice of this piece of a slice of this piece of cake Sorry, sorry, I'll say it's with God and heaven and a slice of this place that will put the whole life that we've lived here on earth to shame. Jesus is offering a brand new thing, a brand new life in those that will follow him. Now, I've got a slide that's going to come up. Listen to what's written about the place that Jesus has prepared for his disciples. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. The new life has come. This is the new place for all eternity where we will be with God and won't need to worry about happiness again, because here there will be no more unhappiness. It says there in the passage there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain for the old order of things has passed away you can see knowing this life is in store for us that would completely redefine the way we live our lives if this life if this life isn't it and there's something better to come that produces an amazing hope no matter what happens in this life for the person who's in pain there will soon be complete healing with Jesus when we feel insecure unloved or worthless, we know that there's something coming where, the, where these feelings will be a thing of the past when we're at home in the kingdom of God. And the person that right now, that feels unhappy, knows for certainty that true happiness is coming. You can see how this stuff should not just be shaping us in what's coming, but shaping us now. Plus, you might have caught that the Christian life requires sacrifice to follow Jesus, while everyone else is following their own desires. But do you realize how much less sacrificing for Jesus will feel if you know what's coming next? This life isn't it. The real deal is coming. Jesus pleads with us in verse 26 that we won't be so short-sighted to not see this. Take a look at verse 26. Jesus says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul for the son of man is going to come in the father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done what good is it to gain some happiness now for a snapshot of time at the cost at the cost of the reward of eternal life when jesus returns Jesus gives us this warning because his hope is that we won't miss out on eternal life. But sadly, eternal life won't be everyone's final destination. Because remember, while Jesus is the loving sacrifice who goes and prepares his special life for us, he's also the king of the world that judges justly. So he expects us not to do whatever we want, but to observe and obey. Now, when you look around the world, do you see a world responding to the rule of Jesus? I don't. I see a world who wants as much of this life as possible and doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. This is not the life of a disciple destined for Jesus' reward. Guys, we are constantly in danger of being more like the world than Jesus'. So, I want to encourage you to work hard and never stop redefining your life to be more like Jesus because He is real, He is trustworthy, and He has much good in store for His followers that love Him. So, let's ask for Jesus' help, for God's help in this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for all that we have in Jesus, that we see how He is the King that we need to observe and obey. And he is the one that we need to follow to give our lives because in following Jesus, we gain so much. Would that be something that doesn't just wash over us, that we don't just look at from a distance, but we would deeply be impacted by? Please help us then to observe and obey and live the life that brings honour to you, not because we have to, not because we have to repay you, but because we love who Jesus is and what he's done for us. If we're still unsure of who this Jesus is, Please, uh, would you help us to have conversations, to find the information so we can put our trust in Jesus and ask for His forgiveness and get this reward that He's promised. But also, I want to pray for those of us that have been really struck tonight and this term, that Jesus is the King and they need to come to that King for forgiveness because they haven't lived their life for Him. I pray that those people tonight would have really good conversations, that they would pray to you and that they would ask you for forgiveness. And we know from from your word that those that come and ask forgiveness and turn from this life to Jesus will have their debt paid in full. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.